You're listening to the Rise and Love podcast, where we believe that you get to have love and success in all areas of your life. Your host, Crystal Iram, will help you understand yourself, your relationships, and what's keeping you from having the love, relationship, and life you really want. Week after week, you'll have your mind blown as you learn from experts and listen in on honest conversations to experience mindset shifts and get practical instruction on how to use your mind to support you in getting everything you desire. We'll get to the heart of the matter when it comes to designing and elevating all aspects of love and life. Here's your host, educator, relationship coach, and lawyer, Crystal Iram. I am so excited for this episode today. So I recorded this a couple of weeks ago with Stephanie, and she is so amazing. This woman is so brilliant and thoughtful and sweet and funny and interesting. And she just shares so like vulnerably and openly and honestly. And she was just dropping knowledge all over the place. And so I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. Stephanie Cherma is her name and she's just an incredible woman. So in the show notes, I am going to link the ways that you can follow her because you absolutely want to keep up with her. You know, we have a lot of similarities, which was really fun to sort of hear about her approach. Um, But we have totally different backgrounds and different ways that we came to our relationships and relationship coaching. And I just think you're going to love her. I mean, I know you are because she's awesome. So here's her official bio. Stephanie Charma is the CEO and founder of The Good Love Company. She is a relationship expert, mentor, and coach for soulful women and couples. Infusing identity work with intimacy overhaul, her goal is change the way you think and feel about modern love. Working in personal development industry for over seven years, her methods and perspectives have been called refreshing and brilliant. Gone are the days of game and tactics. It's time instead to remember who you are and embrace vulnerability. Find yourself, find love. So good. All right. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. So Stephanie, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Yay, Crystal. Me too. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a really fun conversation. So I would love if you would start just by introducing yourself. And I would love for you to say a little bit about what you do, but then also go ahead and... um, share what your relationship status is and how you got into your relationship. Cause we have a lot of single women who listen to this. And so I want them to hear like how people meet amazing men. <laughs> yes. I love it. I'm so excited already. So, um, so I'm Stephanie, I am a relationship coach, expert and speaker, and I am the owner and founder of the good love company. So essentially my method of work and training and skill set is really on identifying why we do what we do. What is the behavioral payoff of our choices? Mm. Because un- unless and until we examine why we do what we do, it will be really challenging in my experience to sort of shift the dynamic of calling in your ideal partner, your ideal mate. Um, so that's sort of where it started. And, and we really focus on behavioral patterns, why we do what we do. And then we sort of infuse some, some frequency work, some spirituality, some vibration shifting. Because when you do the inner, the outer will have no choice but to shift and change. So I love what I do. It's been so exciting. And really, Jordan and I, that's my fiance, I'm engaged. We met 
I love our love story. It was very <laughs> synchronistic. I had been what I like to call a dating disaster for a good decade. So in my 20s, I was operating from wonky programming. I thought that if I just read all the dating books, got the newest lip gloss, learned a really <laughs> good sex position, all of the the tactics, I thought that that would work. And I thought I still believe dating was a numbers game. And I was like, eventually one will stick. And I remember waking up on my 29th birthday and my boyfriend at the time had left in the middle of the night. I oh. have no idea what happened. I didn't understand. And I woke up with a birthday card of his like attached to my leg reeking like alcohol and just feeling it had like stuck to my leg in this in sleep. And I woke up feeling like this is my 29th year. Mm. This is the start of my 29th year. And, and already I'm feeling really, really wonky. So that was, that was sort of it for me. I never heard from him again. He completely just left. And what I found out is that I was in a blackout. I was a raging mess. And he basically had to get out of Dodge. And so it was a really humbling moment because that was one of the first times where I realized it was me. Mm -hmm. I was the issue. It wasn't all these guys. It wasn't, you know, the good old stories about how men are awful. It was me. I was Mm -hmm. saying I wanted a long-term monogamous, amazing, good relationship, but I was behaving in ways that didn't match up with that. So that was the turning point. And I remember having a really intense conversation with the universe. And I said, I'll do whatever. Show me what's going on. Tell me what I need to do. And I was divinely guided to quit my job. I was bartending at the time and go work in a temp agency. So I remember thinking like, I can't get into trouble. There's no alcohol. There's no guys to flirt with. I'm going to go to a, to a place, go in, work, come out, and I'm going to then devote that time to discovering who I am. Wow. The first day of my new job, the guy that trained me is now the guy I'm engaged to. No. Oh my gosh. I have crazy <laughs> chills. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was wild. And, and there were series of events that sort of led to it. I was guided to go to a girlfriend's birthday. After that, I messaged him to see what he was doing. I went over and then I just never left. And a couple months later, we were crazy kids and decided to have a baby. And our child was born a year to the day of our first date. Whoa. So I really started saying, okay, like there's something, there's something to this identity work. There's something to this notion of, Why am I attracting who I'm attracting? What is it about me that I'm projecting out there? And I just went knee deep into into this work. And so five years later, this is now my profession. So I love it beyond beyond belief because it it can work. It worked and it was fast. It was about 57 days from when I surrendered to when I started dating my now fiance. Amazing. Okay. (laughs) I feel like you just gave me stuff. We can just talk about this. This is insane. So, okay. I want to go back a little bit to the, one of the earlier things you said about you were, you're seeing this guy, you're in a relationship with him and then he disappeared. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously we talk about ghosting like Mm -hmm. quite a bit. It's a thing that happens a lot after a date or two. 
but it sounds like you're describing it in the context of someone you were actually with. Yeah, we we had been we weren't in a long-term committed intense relationship. We had been talking and and kind of hanging out here and there, but it was the initial impression. So I think a lot of times when we talk about ghosting, it's very easy to say screw the guy, how dare he? What an asshole. Yeah. And we completely negate the personal responsibility. At that time, I was behaving in, in really disrespectful, icky ways. And I'm not saying that the right thing to do is to just bolt and dip. I do think mature people need to have conversations. But I think at the same time, we need to remember that you know what we offer and what we present ourselves to be is a snapshot of what it would be like to date us. Mm. So if coming to my birthday party and I'm I'm drinking, I'm being an idiot, I'm acting out, and he's embarrassed and mortified, well, that's a lesson for me. Instead of being like, what an asshole, years down the line, we ended up joking and talking about it. And he had said to me, he was like, I didn't, I I was just, I had to get out of there. Wow. And it was one of the best lessons I've ever learned. So in that moment, I was so grateful for it. (laughs) That's really amazing. How were you, I mean, because people have a lot of rage about ghosting and I'm always just like, it only sucks because it sucks being rejected. But like when someone doesn't call you, like that's clear. People are like, oh, it's so hard because like you're unclear. And I'm like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It really is. Here's the deal about about men. They talk with their feet. Mm -hmm. Their actions are the truth. So whatever they do, whatever move they make. And I always think about ghosting in terms of what a divine blessing. Yes. Fine intervention. Oh my God. You didn't waste another moment with someone who's not about it. It's totally fine. We get so egoic and think, oh, I need to claim him. I need to land him. I need evidential proof. I need him to validate me through text messages and actions. And it doesn't work that way. You cannot love and control in the same breath. Mm. It just doesn't compute. Oh my God. That was so good. Cannot love and control in the same breath. That is really, really good. So when you mentioned sort of being egoic where it's like, Oh, I need him to call. I need him to text. This is what it means. If he doesn't like saying more about that, it shows up in lots of other ways also, but it it really does. Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, I, I have a very different perspective in, in terms of, of human beings. And I think that there is this weird thing about about us where we are biologically driven to connect and merge and you know procreate and and be with someone and so what ends up happening is we then put our emotional state on other people yes <laughs> and so we're complete and and you are destined for disappointment right because you will never feel bliss. You will never feel content and you miss the magic in learning about your own emotional mastery. Mm. Other people are not in charge of you. So if you come from a place, if you, if you are single and I like to say preparing for relationship, cause we're never really single. We're always with ourselves, but if you're preparing for relationship, it's more about saying, okay, in the past, have I relied on other people to validate my feelings? Yeah. And if that's the case, then what a beautiful experiment 
to, to play with before the guy enters, because that's the lesson to learn. The universe is not going to drop the right person in your lap. If you are not calibrated at a state to say, I'm in charge of my emotion. No one can make me mad. No one can make me anything. And if we start saying I'm a whole woman, I am, I am fully complete. And wouldn't it be nice to have someone join me? Totally. Isn't that so much better than saying I'm anxious and lonely and it's Saturday night and no one's messaging me. What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's attractive. (laughs) Let me get in there. Yeah. Ooh, desperation. Like (laughs) more. No, it doesn't work like that. Oh, that's so good. I tell, like, I say sometimes that, you know, when it's like, I was very consciously manifesting my husband and, you know, I reached a point where it's like, I could go out on like a shitty date. I'm putting it in quotation marks. You guys can't see that, but, (laughs) um, and I could come home and be like, it's totally fine because I was so certain that like I was lovable, that I was worthy of love and that like my person was on my way to me, that it was just like, that was an hour and a half. That was not my favorite hour and a half in my life, but like not a big deal. You know, it's, it's like a lot of like energy and like heaviness is put on every single date. And then, you know, it's like you have one date and it doesn't go great or you don't hear from it or it goes great. It's worse when it goes great. And then he doesn't say anything. And it's just like, ah, I'm never going to meet anyone. And I'm like, you're not doing a good job manifesting. If that's where you go immediately, like you have to hold that state. I like the way you said it. It was a, you said calib, something calibrate a certain. Yeah. Like we, we need to sort of tweak and refine the energy we're, we're presenting because here's, here's the straight deal. If you are actively dating, so is he. Right. <laughs> These, so many women are like, we had an amazing date and it was so good and the chemistry and, and mm, but then a couple of weeks went by and I didn't hear from him. And I say, well, it's because he's dating someone else. Yeah. He found that same thing. And, and really an enlightened approach is to say, that's amazing. Another couple in love. Yay. <laughs> that's the point. Right. We are not owed another person's, you know, life. If it's not the right situation, like if, if it goes well with someone and you are filling in the blank, you're assuming, oh, it went really well. He's going to call me. Oh, it went really well. Eventually we'll be together. All these things. And you are essentially creating that scenario without verbiage from this person. Right. We can't assume dating is, is fun and playful. So if you're meshing with him and it's going well, and he decides that he's going to you know, move on to something else. That just means that there's a, there's another person who had better chemistry, better connection, better conversation. And that's wonderful because you now have created the space to have your person who's better chemistry, better conversation come in. We we can't Mm. attach and cling on to human beings. Totally. I, I love that. So when you sort of mentioned having this conversation, I call it, it's like a state of a union address. Like, what <laughs> what's actually happening here. So how do you advise people when they're dating where it's like it's it's gone past that second or third date and like they're actually sort of starting to have a groove with someone mm-hmm. before that. You know, is that a time when you're still dating other people? Is it better to just sort of stick it out with that one person until you have that conversation? Like what do you think of that sort of in between period? Right. I I, I think it, it really depends on each individual person. I think that one of the biggest misconceptions I hear 
um, I actually talked to a client about this the other week is, well, if I'm dating someone and I like them and we're not really, we're in that sort of space in between, if I start dating other people as well, am I telling the universe that I don't want an exclusive relationship (laughs) or am I like messing the manifestation? And it's such a human thing, but really dating is about figuring out who you are, what you're into, what love, what you, what your perfect love looks like, Mm -hmm. and then giving yourself the opportunity to see, does this guy bring it to the table? Does this guy bring it to the table? Do I feel better about myself around this person? And one of the biggest things of all is to stop dating in terms of impressing the other person and, and wonder if this person is able to contribute to your life instead. And so it's really individual. I think some of the best relationships I know, there was sort of this unspoken agreement where it just felt right. The vibe was right. It was good. With my fiance, we hung out on a Sunday and then just kept, I I never left. I I think I lived there for for the first month. So it's really about what you want. I, I don't think it's smart to assume or you know, throw a hard, fast conversation two weeks in. What do you want? What are we doing? What's going on? What's this not? I think we need to bring back play and curiosity. So it's really about you. I I think the right person, you won't need to manipulate the situation. They will want to spend time with you. You will want to spend time with them. And if they're seeing other people and if you're seeing other people, they will naturally fall away because you will feel best with them and it'll be reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard you mention also that when you got together with your fiance that, yeah, there was a closeness immediately, but you sort of said that like it wasn't easy, that like things were thrown at you a lot in those early stages of your relationship. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that, that's the beauty of a high frequency pairing. Mm-hmm. It's essentially shadow work personified. So yeah. we had maybe a month of a honeymoon phase. And, and I, we, we joke now that it was like the universe is like, okay, cool. We're going to give you one month where you're going to go all in and be so excited and so amazing. And then life came. Yeah. We experienced a death. We experienced a car accident. There was a hospitalization. I lost my job. Wow. His apartment lease suddenly ended. Boom, 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 boom. And so I think one of the, one of the biggest things to remember is that it's not going to be fun and games all the time real relationships are about existing in earth school together with, with your buddy that you, that you want to jump. So it's, you know, Oh my God, Stephanie, I love that. This is what you're saying. This is actually different than the impression that I had from whatever I heard you talking about, because you actually, you're not saying that you had difficulties in your relationship. You're saying you had difficulties in life and that you had your relationship. (laughs) Right. Sometimes I think that people are in relationships that are extremely challenging, the relationship itself, where it's like, we kept having issues. These are all the things that we're dealing with. So that's actually different than what I thought. So that changes what I was going to ask you. Because, you know, I think a lot of times it'll come up that, you know, someone will start dating and then like what you're describing, life happens. And then the guy will disappear. He'll start pulling away. So how would you sort of interpret interpret a situation like that? Yeah, I love that. 
he's he's not the person who is designed to help you navigate. Yeah, really that simple. Yeah, there there's no I, I I'm a very optimistic, esoteric person in terms of this human existence. And I, I, I really think one of the toughest things for people to understand is that the right person is not going to run from troubles. Right. The right person is going to be with you on the canoe saying there's, there's a hole in the boat. There, there's a leak coming in. How can we patch it? How can we fix it together and, and get back onto shore? Yeah. The wrong person is going to say, oh my God, there's a hole in the boat. This is totally bad, bad sign. Everything's awful. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. And it's simple. And, and we make it harder because then we assign meaning to it. Oh, what's wrong with me? Why didn't he want to do all this stuff with me? Instead of just being like, thank you so much for the lesson. Everyone is either a teacher or a student mm-hmm. in pairing. Fantastic lesson. I now know that when the going gets tough, this person doesn't have the judge to support me. Yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to see that right now before we got in too deep. Yeah. And then you just pivot. And I wanted to just mention sort of touch on what you said. My partner and I have had issues in terms of our relationship over the years because that's what happens. We threw a toddler into it. We had to relearn dynamics. I got into complete sobriety, went to treatment, new dynamic. He had issues with with masculine figures in his life, new dynamic. And so I don't think you're ever free from the learning, but it's about what are we doing together as as a unit to really tackle this as a partnership Mm. instead of there's an issue, I'm going to go my own way, you're going to go your own way that's usually when cracks start to appear. But if you can say, you know what? Life is is happening. We got some stuff. What an opportunity to get stronger. Mm. How amazing is this that we can now add another lesson to our notch Mm. and then we just carry on and keep going. Mm, Beautiful. I love the way you articulated that. So, so good. Because I see a, a very similar thing, which is like, if someone needs to bolt whenever something comes up. It's just information you're gathering. Like it's like the whole thing of dating. It's just information. Like before you say, I'm going to marry someone or I'm going to be in a long-term relationship with someone, you want to gather certain information. And it's just like not adding a bunch of stories to it. It is worth knowing if you are getting involved with someone who has to sort things out completely on his own and is like, I can't have communication for three weeks. Like that's maybe not going to be an ideal husband. Like stuff can happen with your kids, stuff can happen with your home. And it's like, (laughs) if he's like, I got to go, I can't deal with you with this. That's going to be a hard person to build a life with. Oh my God. Absolutely. Because I always like to think about, especially with my clients, it's like, what do you, what's, what's the vision for your relationship? What's Mm -hmm. the mission? Yeah. If you want to be 60 years old, flinging jello at each other in the retirement home, being goofy, silly, sweetie pies, you got to reverse engineer it. So so how are you going to get there? What is the plan for when life hits? What is your personal need? What are your bottom lines? Getting all of that out of the way is what's going to make life's patterns and storms that come up an exciting adventure 
versus, you know, you against me. Yeah. Um, so I actually wanted to talk to you about the mission for your marriage and sort of what that really means and what that looks like. And also like, when do you start discussing that with someone? So first break down, like, what does that even mean to have like a mission for your marriage? Yeah, it's it's one of my core principles and values because I, I think we forget that love changes mm. and relationships morph and move and, and you grow and, and you figure things out. The person you are at the start of your relationship in a perfect world will only get better. Right. But a lot of the times we haven't learned how to have real communication, real conversation, what our actual needs are. And so I think it's so crucial for when those, those life moments hit, when those challenges hit to kind of say, you know what, we're having a human moment. Our bodies, this, this, this human fun circus that we're at, there's a spotlight saying, okay, guys, here's something you need to investigate and discover. And it's easier, in my opinion and experience, to move through life's moments if you can say, you know what, right now it's tough. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm feeling some emotions. You're the person I live with. You're kind of seeing me at all the good and all the bad. So let's take it back to basics. What are we here to do together? What is the point of us? Why are we so good together? And so it's really about sort of coming up and this is such a fun activity to come up and say, what are the best things about you? What are the best things about me? What are we doing together? So that when crazy things happen or when moments that aren't so fun and pleasant happen, you can say, you know what? I'm feeling a lot right now, but I know my partner is my ride or die because we've talked about support, constant communication, commitment to self-mastery. Whatever it looks like for you, if you guys have your own values individually and as a couple, it's a tool. That's all it is. It's about saying right now it looks like we're in the thick of it, but you know what? I I know that you're going to bring the provider energy to the table. You know, I'm going to bring that listener energy to the table. And now we have these tools that are, that are unique to us. And immediately that brings back that loving feeling of like, you're right, it's us. And two is better than one. We can get through this together. So it's simply just a tool for when when things can get a little intense to bring back to heart center. So let's make this super, super practical. Like how would people actually apply this? So like, are you talking about a situation where like we're in sort of a heated discussion about something and we're maybe at an impasse and just like not feeling the love towards each other. Is that what we're that that's it that's a good one. It can be as simple as okay, I'll I'll give you a real life example from from my relationship. Okay. So my fiance <laughs> works rotating shifts. Two weeks he works days, two weeks he works nights. We have a toddler, I have a company. Imagine what that can do, that stress. Yeah. So for us What we need as a couple is we need one day a week where it's just us. And we've decided that's going to be Sundays. Mm -hmm. And we like to do something called tub time, which is we take a bath together. It's intimate. It's private. The door is closed. And I will say to Jordan, I will say on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate our relationship this week? And he might go, well, you know, it, it was an eight. It was an eight was good. It was all right. And I would say, okay, well, what would it take to get us to a 10? And then he would say, well, you know, I I need that extra nap on the weekends to catch up 
from from work. And you know, the other day you were, you were on calls all day, and, and and I felt a little bit excluded. Mm. And we just have that dialogue, and so that's a, one of the best ways to say, okay, so this is the area that we need to finesse. Okay, cool. We can do that. And so every week we just check in. And so for us, our core value is personal mastery, personal excellence. How can we as a couple be better and and more confident and thriving and alive? Okay, so it's about honesty. It's about listening. It's about creating a space where we can say how we feel. And just in that one hour, we were able to have both of our needs met, explained, and essentially confirmed mm-hmm. so that we can just get better and stronger. So that's really what the mission for the marriage is about. What are your core values? Write down, if, if, if you're in partnership, what are three things that you love about your relationship that is exclusive to you two? And then bring them up when, when, when life happens, when you're tired or stressed or, or bitchy or moany, you know, I, I may not like my partner right now, but I love that he's supportive. I love that he listens to me. I love that he is an amazing parent. And in that moment, the heat kind of subsides mm. and you just return to center. It's a practice. We need to remember why we're with that person and what the point is. That's so beautiful. So what are some other examples? Like, what are some other examples? So it's sort of like your values as a partnership. Yeah. Some people love, some people are like, we want to laugh all day. We want to travel. We want to go to the gym every morning. We want to eat healthy. That's our thing. Mm. Some people it's, we want to sit in bed and have amazing sex all day and turn our phones off and, and envelop. It's, It's a physicality. That's a connection. Everyone has their own thing. For me, what I love most about my partner is that he's the only guy who's ever listened to me. He listens intently for as long as I need. Mm. That's a personal requirement. And I'm and if I'm ever in a space where I'm feeling a little ungrateful, a little human, a little crabby, I go back and I say, wow, you know, I, I can go call him and say, I'm, I'm feeling a type of way. Can I just talk to you? And he will say, of course, mm. that to me is, is what I can hold on to when there are days when not everything goes as well as they need to. So it's individual and, and you guys get to decide that's the best part. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. So since we're talking a little bit about Jordan, let's backtrack a bit. Let's go to that 57 days between when you <laughs> um, sort of set an intention or however you'd like to describe it until when you actually met him. I want to hear about that time and sort of you know, what specifically you did, like what was, what was specifically done to call in a relationship? What was just done for your own healing? Let's just break it all down. Okay, perfect. So it was end of January when I had that come to Jesus moment where I was like, oh my God, I am the common denominator. I'm the problem. (laughs) Like it's me. And so I, I had a conversation with the universe and I was guided to do some automatic writing. So essentially that's journaling with the intent of receiving information. Mm. So what I did was I decided I was going to write a thank you letter to the universe. And I wrote a thank you letter in the, the tense of in the long-term relationship, so happy, so overjoyed. And so I wrote a letter. I said, dear universe, remember when I thought you wouldn't come through? Remember when I thought you left me in the lurch? 
I was so silly. Thank you so much for every guy that didn't choose me. Thank you so much for clearing that path. He's amazing. He's tall and sexy and I love him. And this is so good. And like, ah, yes, three pages. Boom, boom, boom. And I remember there was a moment when I was like, the work is complete. Mm. You are, you are okay. I felt a physical, literal shift and it felt as though the universe was like, thank you. We were trying to tell you, don't worry. We got it. And so at that time I was listening to, there's an artist named India Ari. Yeah, of course. A song (laughs) called ready for love. Yeah. (laughs) I I looped it. I, I looped it for 30 minutes. Because um, part of part of what I do with my women is something called audio memory activation. So essentially, because music can be so emotionally provoking, I remember putting this this song on and just sitting in that vibration of like, I'm owning everything that I did to push love away. I'm owning everything I did to ignore my own personal needs and desires. And I'm ready to see things differently. So I was listening to that song, tears just rolling down my face. I still can't listen to it without getting choked up. Wrote my letter. There was that moment of like, you're complete. And I literally got up and I was like, thank you. And that was, I want to say that was a Thursday. Friday, I woke up saying, your job needs to change. Mm. And sure enough, I I had got fired from my bartending job that I was supposed to be going into that night. And I said, no problem. It's totally fine because I'm being guided. And then I went to a temp agency, said, I'll take whatever you can get. And they're like, well, it's kind of, but we're kind of tight. I don't know if everything's going to work out. Two hours later, got a call. You start Monday. Wow. So Monday I went and worked at this place, (laughs) the guy that was training me. He was cute. Oh my God. Not what I expected. He's younger. He didn't have all the, all the, the list requirements, which is why I don't teach writing a list. It's not about a list. It's about the energy. (laughs) And it was around April when I started to sit, to see, Hmm, he's, he's kind and sweet and loving. And so that was, so it was end of January to beginning of, of April. And April 12th was when we, when we got together. So it, it really happened that fast. And it happened that fast because I was willing to look at my side of things, what I was doing. Beautiful. Oh, this is so amazing. So I do, I, I mean, I fully agree that it's totally about the essence of the relationship and the energy, you know, and I wonder if we get a little bit of different types of clients. I'm sure there's some overlap because I find a lot of women who are sort of over, like willing to overlook the things Sometimes it's the things that are actually important. Like I'm like, I don't care how like hot and fun he is. Like he's a jerk. <laughs> like totally. So, but you said he was missing some things from the quote unquote list. So, like, what kind of things? Well, like you may have I, thought were important. Yeah, and and I, I love that. And I think there there's a difference between a list of characteristics that could apply to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like when I say a list, I mean when women write tall, brown hair, has a job, has a car. Like that's everybody. Well, so I say that's the difference between like objective qualities versus subjective qualities. Like if you're saying he has to be a six foot tall eye banker with blue eyes and brown hair, those are objective qualities. I'm like, no objective qualities allowed. (laughs) It's, it's about, it's yeah, exactly. And, and I think 
it's, it's really about saying, I like to do what's called the Sunday test. And this is what I give my clients in lieu of the list. I, I say, write, write a page on what you want your perfect Sunday to look like. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? What is it going to look like? How is it going to be? Because if you wake up at 6 a.m., get a green juice, go for a hike, are active, and the guy of your dreams sleeps until 3 p.m., mm-hmm. your life might be a little bit different. You, your, your lifestyles may not match up. So that's what you want to look for. You want to look for who am I as a person and what do I love about myself? What am I willing to call in that can that can elevate my life? What are the bottom line, non-negotiable, will not entertain things? And then really focus on, is my life supporting calling this person in? Yeah. Because we, we I, I think I put on my list, I was like, he has to be 10 years older than me. <laughs> He's got to be financial advisor working on Bay Street, salt and pepper uh, hair. Uh-huh. We're gonna we're gonna drink martinis and talk about life, and you know he'll be my witty intellectual buddy. Oh and gosh. it's funny because the guy that I called in, he he was 21 when I met him. He wow. rode a he rode a bike to work, and <laughs> at the time I was like, yeah, my superficial needs like you need to be driving a, a nice car. You need yeah. to be, you need have your shit together. Who am I? Who am I to say you have to have your shit together <laughs> when I was working at a temp office with a dummy tire and a bumper <laughs> But that's how we get. We get so ridiculous. And really what ended up happening was I got who I needed. A hundred percent. Oh, I, yes. You know, we, we think we want this perfect, you know, he has to do this. He has to be this. And the universe goes, Real like okay, like I'll, I'll I'll drop a few in your lap, but we think you would really benefit from that soft spoken, supportive guy. You want to run a business, right? Oh my god! Do you gosh. want someone who's going to compete with you? All right, well we'll show you what that looks like. You might not like it, but maybe then you'll get it, and then you'll create the space for the supportive, sweet, loving, kind guy. Oh my you gosh! You know, like we're like kindred spirits here. Yeah, I know. Um, I was. My list was the same. And also, you know, people's projections of me would be the same. Like they expected me to have like an intellectual, someone who worked on Wall Street, like very bummed up. My husband is literally the sweetest man that's ever lived. I'm like convinced of it. Like last (laughs) night we had all of our nieces and nephews over and he like taught them how to like create their own planters. (laughs) You know, it's just like such a love. Like you know, and so I, it's so true. We don't always, it's not that we don't get what we want. It's that we don't really know what we want. Like exactly. No, until you're in it. Like exactly. You know what I try to tell people sometimes it's, it's about like how you feel when you're with him and when you're not with him, yep. because I will see women and they're like desperately holding on to a potential relationship with someone because it feels so connected when we're together and he just so gets me and he's so witty Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah but then he doesn't talk to you for a week and a half and and he's sending you mixed signals and then you know like you never know where you stand and I'm like most of the time you're anxious like that's not that's not right like and anybody can be perfect for an hour Anyone, anyone can say, Hey baby, I'm picking you up at seven. We have reservations at that restaurant you mentioned, and we're going to talk and it's amazing. And we interpret that as oftentimes more than it necessarily is. Anyone can be on their best behavior. (laughs) Of course, when they're dating. Yeah. And you know, it's like, the other thing is like, 
for men, especially once they're in their thirties, like if he's decent looking and has a decent job, like he's been out with enough women to know that like, not like exactly what women want, but like what women want for a date, you know, like they'll totally. know to pick her up and like what to say. And so it's like, you got to dig deeper than that. Like it can't 100%. just this like, he looks really sexy when he shows up in that suit. Like it's not going to get you through life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Honestly, I, I love that. I couldn't, I could not agree more. And I, and I love what you said about how you feel when they're gone, mm-hmm. because my partner now is the first person I've ever been with where I legitimately do not worry. I do yeah. not care. I don't stress. I'm not there. The, the trust is next level. I'm not having to be so perfect and so wonderful to not disrupt us or, or, or set him off. Mm. It's beautiful and, and yeah. healthy. Yeah. So earlier you said something, which was like, you know, when a relationship is developing, you want to see him, he wants to see you. And I think that's a, it's like a hard thing to keep in mind when you're in, when you're dating and it feels like, well, maybe there's this reason that he hasn't tried to see me again. And like a lot of sort of excuses. And it's like, of course there are extenuating circumstances, but generally I, I really agree with that. Like when a man is interested, he's not going to want to play games with you. He's just going to, because like men want relationships. Men want love. Like they, they, I think that men are much more confident that it'll happen in the right time. I think most women are much more anxious about it happening in the right time. And yeah. I'm like, I love this conversation so much. I'm like, ah, most men will not want to settle down until they feel accomplished as a man first. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, most men don't want to take on the responsibility of calling in a wife and, and if they want children and the, the domestic side, if they don't feel that they can be a provider, a protector, a solid force, most of the time women are like, okay, well, like I've been dating since I was a teenager. What the hell? Biological clock freaking out. And so what ends up happening is that energy, that freaking out anxious desperation oftentimes will repel the guy who is, is looking for the mature, sovereign, yeah. solid, good woman in terms of like, no man, no, from, from what I've seen, I've been doing this work for a long time. No guy wants to come in and say, I'm going to put roots down with this woman. We're going to do the whole thing. We're going to get the house, the car, the kids, but she is only okay. If I'm around, she's only happy when I'm giving her compliments. She's a mess when I leave the house. So it's really about if if we have anxious attachment styles, we got to heal that first. Mm -hmm. No person, no person's responsibility is to comfort us and heal us and and make us feel okay. That's our job. Yeah, that's so true. So here's another point though, because I agree with you that most men do want to be providers. However, men, if they meet someone who is really that energy that he desires in his life, like they'll step up. Like, because sometimes oh, you guys sure. like, because you're saying like your partner was 21 you, when you met. So mm-hmm. it's like all sorts of people could say like, oh, a guy at 21 would never, you know, right. For it. sure. You know, and it's like my husband, he was not looking for his wife. Like as intentionally as I was manifesting my husband, he was not <laughs> manifesting his wife. I mean, he was obviously because we both were, but like, he didn't know. And it was like, he met me and was like, oh, I feel like I need to be on a different level to be with this woman. Exactly. That's, that's it. That's the point. That's exactly it. it. It's about 
can they rise to the occasion to be that biological male? Like the, the way men are wired, they, they want to do that. And so if they don't have it together, you, the right woman can inspire them to get it going yeah. and, and do it because with, with my partner, I remember saying like, there's no way I'm getting my heart broken by a 21 year old. There is <laughs> no way who has, you know, Eminem posters on his wall and sleeps on a futon. Like I am <laughs> not, but, but it was, we had it. We had a conversation a month in. I, I said, I'm feeling this. What about you? But I have to say that oftentimes it can be an exception. And a lot of, a lot of men feel that they are really ready to commit when they're either in a space where they can be that good guy for that good woman, or this woman is going to say, you know what, you and me together will be a power team. Let's rise up together. And then the men do it. Not an excuse of like, well, she's amazing. And she'll, she'll put up with my BS or she'll put up with my indifference. It's about action. Yeah. So how do you understand it when maybe people are starting to get to know each other or they're in a relationship and he sort of ends it and he's saying to her, you know, you're too good for me. Someone else could make you happier. I mean, do you want my honest opinion? I, oh my God, girl, please be real. <laughs> I think it's such a load of shit. Yeah. I, it's such, it's, it's literally like a, like a un, unforeseen invisible handbook where it's given to guys. And it's like, here, here are some open-ended statements that you can say to, to ease out of a relationship that will keep the woman wondering and guessing. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, it's very challenging to say, you know what? I think you're an amazing person and we had a really good time, but I'm, I'm feeling more connected with somebody else or I'm, I'm just really thinking that you might be suited to somebody else. Whatever the truth is, we are so terrified of the truth. So it's like, it's, it, the guys do this thing where it's like, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll come up with some excuse or I'll make it seem like I'm just in this really sad, dark place. But what ends up happening is women say, oh, you know what? My love will fix you. Oh if my I gosh. Love yes. you more enough, you'll, you'll wake up and see how wonderful I am. And then, and the guys are like, shit, I thought that like <laughs> classic get out of here statement was going to work. And, and that's why I'm like, we need to just call it what it is. If, if, if someone's not into you and they tell you what a beautiful, beautiful gift you just saved another hour of your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, I honestly think it's bullshit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's hard. I don't think that there's many explanations for the end of a relationship that really are going to like, it's, it's, it's hard either way. Cause people don't really want to hear the truth, but we don't want to accept anything else. So we're like digging for it, but either way, it's sort of irrelevant. It's just like, this isn't my person. I can keep moving. And it's um, okay. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah, we need to make it less personal or like, oh my God, someone didn't choose me. What the hell is wrong with me? It's not about that at all. Yeah. I think about all of the guys that I dated before Kobe and I'm just like, thank God. Like, I'm so grateful. (laughs) Like, oh my God, I'm so glad. I, I think honestly, I think delusion is so delicious. It's so good to sort of sit in you know, I'm feeling it a pain that I really don't like right now. And the brain goes, okay, well, l- let's go back to what we used to do, which is making excuses for people, um, you know, pretending it's not that bad, 
doing the whole, I'm going to save a wounded bird scenario because we are so afraid to just say, you know what, this guy wasn't interested and it's totally okay. Yeah. And we can pick ourselves up and we can carry on. Yeah. I, so I do want to start sort of wrapping up, but I wanted to go back to something else you mentioned, which was this, um, you said something about audio memory activation. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious because I, did something kind of similar to what you're talking about. The song for me was, it's called Work Song by Hozier. And do you know this song? I love that band. I love that band. I remember I was in my car. My car had like killer bass and I listened to the song like on repeat. And I had sort of a similar thing to what you're describing, but I didn't know that was a thing. So tell tell me what this audio memory activation is. (laughs) Yeah, so it's... um... It's really about accessing parts of memory that we can sometimes find really painful. I think there's sort of this thing where people think they just need to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but that can sometimes just affirm trauma. It can affirm really rough scenarios. And I think what can be helpful is using music to soothe and release. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. One of the guys that I, I dated back in the day, um, he ended up really getting into hard drugs and, and his, after his brother's suicide. And it was so devastating to watch another person completely succumb to, to tragedy. And there was a song that we used to listen to back in the day. And when I feel like, okay, I, I, I need to release an energy, I need to move through something, I will put on that song. So what that does, it essentially, it, it tells the brain to go back into that state without having to talk and, and reaffirm the angst. So when I listen to the song, what it's doing is it's sending binaural beats through the body to say in a loving way without word, it's just this person means a lot to me. There's a lot of memory here. I can, I can move out of it. I can release it. So what can happen is when you listen to a song that triggers a memory or triggers a feeling or an emotion and you allow yourself to go there, that's all the music is doing. It's allowing you to go there. Oftentimes you'll notice an energetic pocket in the body. This can look like tears or anxiety stomach or sweating, or feeling really antsy. All that is, is energy moving. So I have found that with audio memory activation, all you're really doing is you're finding a different tool to release some hard memory. So if someone's going through a breakup, oftentimes they're like, I can't listen to our song. Our song holds so many memories. It may not be the right time right now, but eventually if you say, okay, I want to clear this from my psyche to create space for the person who's meant for me, you can put on some audio that reminds you and just really give yourself permission to feel that person, Mm. feel the memory, go in your body, see where it's coming up, see if it's stored in your stomach, in your throat, if tears come. And all it's doing is it's releasing little by little the, the intensity of that person or that scenario so that you can then clear it and, and sort of put it in a box that's kind and soft and not so triggering. Mm. And so that's why I like music for me. If you've ever been driving, you know, with music on and you're just cruising and you just feel so good, it's because that music is, is, is working its way through your body and through your memory to help sort of realign you. Wow. So I, oh, I, I love doing that in terms of, of healing memory and boyfriend and past trauma. 
Amazing. That is so cool. I've never heard of that before. Very, very cool. So tell us a couple of your like top book recommendations. Ooh, okay. I'm a bit of a nerd. I read like 52 books a year. Amazing. Um, okay, so a classic. Okay, there's a classic book is called Women Who Love Too Much by oh Robin Norwood. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is it's so the, it's the OG. <laughs> that is the one that like got me started on my path. That is right? so I've never heard anyone else mention it. <laughs> that is well, I mean, you know, we, we got it, girl. That's and and honestly, like that's that's the real work when we can when we can look at that. So Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood. Um, a really good book for couples in transition. And probably the ultimate book of all time for relationship is called Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay by Mira Kirschenbaum. What I love about that book is it offers diagnostic questions to really assess the truth about your situation. So that one's amazing. I, I love it. And whenever I work with couples specifically, we usually refer to a lot of that text. And then what's another good one? Attached is classic. I forget the author, but Attached talks about the attachment theory of childhood, which can really help if for women who are either very push pushing down of intimacy or, or very needy and, and, and anxious. Yeah. So those are my top three that I can think of. These are really good. Do you have any for women who are dating or sort of like preparing for relationship? Manifesting? Yeah. There is a book called Deeper Dating by Ken Page, which is what I would recommend to women who are preparing for a relationship because it talks about my personal belief system on relationship, which is the more you can figure out who you are and love that person and stand as that woman, the faster and better your relationships will be. So Deeper Dating is all about allowing yourself to to shine and and be amazing and not thinking that we need to contort and manipulate ourselves to appease another person. Mm, So good. Okay. And so then tell, tell the listeners where they can find you. I'm sure people are going to want to learn more and see your work. So yeah, where can they find you? Awesome. So I am searchable on all social media. You can type in Stephanie Chirma in Google and it'll bring up some articles, some YouTube videos. Season one of the Good Love Company podcast is on iTunes and season two will be released in February. So I look forward to continued conversations and dialogue about this. Amazing. Okay, great. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like to say? Um, I, I, you know what, I love, I love having these conversations, especially with women and leaders in the space who do this type of work. I think it is so, so crucial. Every single thing in, in, in life is just so much better when you know who you are and you love that person. Mm-hmm. That is always the start of it. And a partner coming in is just the icing on the cake. And I think if I could leave your audience with, with one thing is that you are not forgotten. Mm. there's no such thing as you can be in love. You can be in love. You can be in love, but you can't, it just doesn't work like that. So if you're in the trenches right now, if you feel like it's never going to happen, nothing's ever going to change. You're just at the turning point. Things can change rapidly. You're not forgotten. There's just some work to be done. 
Mm, so good. Thank you. You're Stephanie, so thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation and I just can't wait for it to get out and for people to yeah. listen. And yeah. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're so welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes and be sure to tune in next time to the Rise and Love podcast.